the worst moments of our life. Hey, girl. Hey, that's bad. Uh, so speaking of like worst ever experiences. That is the worst ever. I don't feel so good. And that was my worst audition How bad can it be? <laughs> and we feel the pain is best or funny. Welcome to Worst, Welcome to ever, worst podcast. ever Podcast. That is Christine Lakin. Who cares? I'm your I'm host, Christine Lakin. I'm the host. I love the boots behind you. I tried to show my... Um, are those my, your boots or Brandon's boots? These are my boots. Do you think Brandon wears leopard boots? Well, no, I see on the left or right of your head, there's like work boots. I'm going to have to move this microphone around so that I can showcase some other thing. I feel like this is really what we should be showcasing. The fancy things, the dresses. Oh, the all sparkles. I see is your eyes, though. You don't you see all the dresses screen. behind me? I see the dresses, but you're not full screen. That's a fancy um, mic. It is a fancy mic. Too bad um, it never works. <laughs> it does work. It's just. Did you see uh, the all, tor- all the tortillas? Did you see all the? Did you see all the tortillas I found? I did. You found a lot of tortillas. That was this morning. Yeah, I was first in line at Walmart. How was first. that experience? Shitty because they didn't have anything. I just don't get it. Like I, I don't. It's, there's no rhyme or reason of when it's delivered, or I just can't figure it out. Let me ask you: Do you think that? Is the supply issue because people are finding it and buying 17? Or is the, no. supply, the supply issue because they're stocking the shelves, people are taking their one or two, but they're just like more people are buying certain numbers of those supplies than ever before? Yes, that. And I think they're making less of it because obviously everyone is under some sort of quarantine. So there's less people right. manufacturing and. For instance, like, I, I, yeah, I, I heard that our produce is going to shit because a lot of it's getting thrown away because there's not enough people to farm it. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of it's getting wasted. Well, you need to sign up for the uh, farm box. You keep, t- I don't want the farm box. I find plenty of uh, things. I don't want that. It's too expensive. $40? Yeah, but I go hand pick. Huge box of. But I, I get lasts for get, two weeks. I know, but I don't. I don't. I, there's only certain vegetables I use usually on a regular. So like, I I canned? can get those. Canned no, vegetables. I don't use canned vegetables. Thank you. But I'm a, <laughs> you I'm just a broccoli. said you bought them. What are you? Why are you getting mad at me? But there's nothing wrong with canned vegetables. No, no, but I'm not. I'm saying I'm talking about in the produce section. I use broccoli. I use cauliflower. I use onion. I use a potato. I've been using potatoes now. I never used to buy potatoes. But I'm buying potatoes now because I'm making things like a pot roast or a stew. Or I've got a, a lot know. of red potatoes. I, tried I got to, potatoes. I got onions. I, I got to carrots. Do bees. I tried That's to get the thing is like, I, but I put in five. I wanted five potatoes total, red potatoes. They <laughs> gave me five pounds. <laughs> I have five pounds of red potatoes. Like, I mean, I mean, I'll take. A do couple I freeze off them? I don't know. I don't think so. I think I think I could make a hash. Maybe I make a hash and freeze it. I don't know. Can you can you take the day and just shred them and make them into hash browns? Maybe. But the red potatoes aren't big. They're not. They're you know they're right. like apple size. I mean, I'll five take like pounds. One. <laughs> so how many? <laughs> Next time we do this, can you please bring in the potatoes so I can see how what five pounds of red potatoes looks like? Okay, it's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. It, it's a lot. Of, and in addition to that, I got russet and I got sweet potatoes. So there's a lot of root vegetables going on in this house. We're all going to be on a potato diet. I guess I'm going to make a big potato salad. Well, I went to Lowe's this morning after my um, Walmart experience and I got, I got tomatoes to plant. I got um, mint. I got rosemary. I got... Um, basil. I got uh, green onions. That's great. Yeah. And you're going to do them all in pots? I got long, except I got to put the uh, mint in one pot by itself because they go crazy. Yeah. So I'm going to do that by itself. And then I got these long, like 36 inch, like flower box containers that I got Mm -hmm. on Amazon. They're like six inches high. Oh yeah. And I'm going to do them in those. Great. Did you get me any soil? I got two bags of soil, so I'll just see how much I need. And yeah, then if the you rest have I any left. You. 
Okay. If not, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm always out getting people, other people's stuff who yell at because me. Because I'm, I'm now the constant guardian. Yeah, yell at me and send me aggressive text messages with just a hello. I'm not naming any names, Christine. Um, Who's sending you aggressive text? I'm not sending you aggressive text. Oh, messages. I can, I can sense the anger. You're so, you're. I, by the way, you've been so angry. It's really upsetting me. Like I'm like ready to like Middle Eastern lash out. Like I'm holding the anger in. Why? Okay? What are you talking about? Every text, every phone call. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And then, and then, and then, the kids. Da, da, da. By the way, I made chicken pot pie. I'm going to bring over for the kids because they need comfort food because they have a very aggressive, angry mother right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, let me make them something that's going to comfort them. Oh my god, you're a nightmare. I'm just saying, I want you to relax and approach me in a different way. It's COVID. People are dying daily. We're so lucky to be alive and podcasting. I agree with you. Thank you, fans, for supporting me. Send your hate mail to Christine Lakin. You're so rude. I just want some appreciation. I just, I feel like I'm I appreciate everything the person you do. that is setting everything up, and you're just sort you're of You're the like, only oh, technical How's savvy my background? Person? How's my wig? <laughs> well, how is my wig? It actually looks really good today. <laughs> well, I let, the, I let the braids out. It's so naughty. I can't wait to get my new fresh wigs. I don't know what to do. I want to bring it over to you, and maybe you can cut it and put some curlers in it. Do you have a wig brush? No, I have a regular brush. Yes, yeah, so you need a wig brush. Why would I, I don't buy know. A wig it's brush? it's at a well, like a beauty supply, but you could probably find one online. It that's the whole thing with wigs, is that you need a specific brush to brush. It, it's like coarser, and it brushes yeah, it out. This is a nightmare. It's I just know. Not, it's, it's like dreading. I know. Wait, we have to talk about our guest who's about to join us. Um, so excited, you guys. Today okay, on the I, podcast, should we just not even ahead. say until she gets here? I don't here? like to say. I, okay, then we you won't love say. To like re, you like to do a reveal. I no, like, I, but I don't know. Now it's, she's going to be on any minute, so it's like exciting. I know. So when she's she gets gonna, here, let's figure, let's figure out how we're going to do it. Okay. okay. When she gets here, we're going to say, okay, hey, don't say anything. And then you're going to introduce her. Okay, okay. Just go, hey, special guest, shh, don't say anything. Okay. We'll, we'll see if that works. Um, well, this is kind I'll, of exciting. And try, and try not to yell at her either with your anger. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something positive in your life today that happened. Well, um, I've been up since 5.30. Um, I'm on five your schedule. Yeah. Good. You should meet um, me at the Walmart. No, I have to work at 5.30. Oh, you're doing the book then? Yeah, I have to do... I now have to get up early and do my voiceovering because... It's, not it's too hard. I have the house is loud during the day. There's more just there's just stuff. There's gardeners still. There's planes like. Right. Right. It just right. goes a lot slower and there's more distractions. So I'm getting up early now. The other thing is, too, that like I um, if I if I don't get up early and do it all, then um, then I just have to then I I don't my hours of the day that were Brandon and I switch off then that's spent just doing work. So then I never get any time to myself. Right. Okay. Well, so today's the, today's the first day that you started this. I know I started it yesterday, oh, but I'm tired. Still... You know, I'm up early and I'm going all day and then I'm, yeah. Okay. She's here. You guys, she's here. Okay. All right. Hold on. Okay. Get ready. Okay. Get your wig okay, ready. Good. Does she know that I wear a wig? No. <laughs> okay. So Make excited. sure you explain. Make sure you explain. I'll try. All right. She's going to think I'm a freak. What just happened? Oh, great. Oh, are you going to blame oh, wait, me no, on that here. one? Oh, there she's there. <laughs> oh! All right, don't say, don't, okay, say gonna you, don't say anything. Okay, we're going to introduce you. She's connecting to the audio. We're going to introduce you, my sweet love. Uh, she okay. looks so gorgeous. Welcoming to the podcast this week. We are so excited. Go ahead. Uh, AJ Machalka, everyone. Star of Machalka! Of Allie and AJ. She's amazing. How are you? You look beautiful. Oh, thanks. I'm really good. Um, you gave me an excuse to blow dry my hair, so thank you. Oh, well, you gave me well, an excuse to put mine in a bun. And you gave me an excuse <laughs> to let down, you let look down my braids. What about me? I let down my oh, braids. Your hair looks fabulous. Well, yeah, it's my Corona wig, and I'm wearing it until the Corona's over. Oh, it's a wig? Yeah, it's attached to the hat. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I honestly, yeah, I honestly yeah. thought that was real. I was like, no. oh, you have beautiful hair. 
No, there's no. Oh, this is like ratted. I just I put in braids for like a week to get the some of the curl yeah. back because I, apparently, according to Christine, I need to get a wig brush. Yeah, because it dreads. <laughs> well, I don't have a wig no, brush, there Christine. Specific, there are specific brushes just for wigs. You you yeah. will yeah. need that soon. That's the beauty supply once they well, reopen. I, I got two more wigs coming my way. <laughs> That's awesome. This is how we're. <laughs> this is how we're keeping ourselves. Sane and busy. With. Uh, That's amazing. Speaking of, also, by the way, you look so cute in your closet setup with your mic. I'm like, I love where you put yourself. Thank you. You know, this is the only place in my house that I can a get away from my kids. Um, it has a deadbolt. and uh, it's the only place that's like dense enough and quiet enough that I can record. So. It's just become, I have a little desk here. My, my husband just laughed at me. He's like, it's so funny how your closet has become your office. I'm like, well. That's amazing. Fine. It's really sweet. Thank you. Yeah. But I'm also looking around and I'm like, what's that weird hat? Why is, what's that? Like, what's the, the weird <laughs> trash bag up there? Oh, what's I know. in I've that? Been, I've been analyzing all her shoes. I got to get, yeah, there's a lot that needs to be done. One time we'll do a Skype a lot and you'll just, I'll go through the closet and you'll tell me like a yay or nay. Yeah. We got to edit. We got to edit with cocktails. Um, okay, so first of all, uh, tell us how you're doing through all of this. We're, I love your posts. They give me, they bring me so much joy, and you just seem like you are so living such a great sort of serene life with your horses and your man, and getting through this in a really conscious way. But if that's not the case, feel free to tell me. <laughs> No, 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 it is. It is. And, and that's really sweet that that's my posts reflect that because it's very authentic. I mean, I, I'm really lucky that I'm in a, a beautiful area as we're isolated. Um, I've been able to stay, you know, positive and, and uplifted by friends. I've been constantly on, you know, Zooms or Skypes. I've been doing Pilates. My friend runs a Pilates studio and she's been handing out, you know, basically virtual gift cards for people to join these online zoom oh, classes fun. and that's, that's wonderful. great and trying to meditate and read you know i never leave enough time for reading i'm cooking with my boyfriend i'm hanging with our dogs we're you know staying isolated and and trying to stay positive during all this i know there are many people that are are not lucky enough to be isolated in this beautiful of a place i think in la like being that the weather's great we don't have to deal with you know rain very often, which I think can yeah. add a lot of depression onto this. Um, so I think being in like a sunny area like Los Angeles, I think we're super, super lucky. Um, but you know, this is a really sad time. I'm just trying to, I'm staying positive within it, but it's been really, it's, it's, it's tragic. I mean, it's really, yeah. I don't know if we'll ever experience anything like this again. And we, I'd never have obviously in my lifetime, but um, I think we're going to see a new normal for a bit, you know, and we're going to have to adjust can, to that. Can you give Christine some tips on how to stay positive? Yeah, she he, really needs it. Um, someone he's like telling her, me, not I'm, he's like, no, I'm angry, I'm, I'm in a bad, no, I'm only angry with you. You're the only person oh, okay. that makes me angry a lot, okay? Okay. So, <laughs> so just relax, all right? All right. I'm just saying, I'm positive <laughs> to, AJ, I'm positive as well. Huh? I've uh, My days are, well, this morning I woke up at five and I was first in line at the Walmart. Um, cause I have to get the, I have to get the wipes, the Lysol wipes. I've treated this COVID huh? thing. Yeah. The Lysol wipes to clean the house. I had yep. a, I, yep. I, my, my, uh, my, my roommate tested positive for COVID a couple weeks ago. So mm -hmm. we're both, but we both, we both tested negative. He, he was asymptomatic. He had no symptoms. So he wasn't sick at all. So, which is a scary part. Wow. So I, I've been trying to get disinfecting and the whole bit, but we both tested positive um, afterwards. And so we're all good, but yeah. So like, I'm, but I'm like throughout the whole thing, it's like an adventure to me. I'm like, we're going to make this work. I mean, we're all, and the earth is cleaning itself. That I do I love. I love the fact that I hear so many birds, maybe because I don't hear so much traffic or because the traffic isn't around. So the birds are coming back. Although may I say there is this one bird. Okay. Oh, it's a mockingbird because I have the same thing. It is right outside my bedroom window, and every morning at five a.m., it's like cock 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 cock. I'm like, shut up! <laughs> oh, no. Let me sleep. Oh, that you, see what I mean? you, you see what I mean by the anger? Okay. I, I am you sensing see. a little negativity and anger there, Christine. Yeah. Sorry, guys. No, but honestly, Allah, I thought you were—I thought you were joking because I know Christine as like the most 
bubbly, joyful, like bright personality. And so when you said that, I was like, what are you talking about? But, oh. you know, whatever. You might see things differently. You guys have I a mean, podcast together. There might be drama. Yes. And we've known each other for 20 some odd years. The funny yeah. thing about all of this is like, I am always the positive and he is always sort of the, the like cynical, the darker, the negative. We have a good right. cop, bad cop uh-huh. relationship. But during this COVID thing, he's become like if, if anyone, if I were to say anyone would handle a pandemic terribly, it would be him. But that's not the case at all. I've been no. very impressed. You've been very calm throughout all of this. I think we're going to, I think it's all working itself out. Everything happens for a reason and we're going to fix this. We all just got to work together and pay attention to the doctors and the scientists and let it work itself out, but don't do stupid things. Right. Like, of course. Meanwhile, I'm becoming a stay at home mom. I'm just going to be really honest. I don't want to be a stay at home mom guys. I love my children. (laughs) That was not my path in life. That is not what I chose for myself. It's yeah. what is happening now. And I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that there are some beautiful, wonderful moments happening with my children. But sometimes I also just want to, like, drink a bottle of wine and, and fall on the ground. Like, I, they are so full on at this age. And preschool, I'm, not, I'm also not a preschool teacher. So, yeah, I am, there are days where I am definitely you're, you're struggling. Like you're essentially becoming a homeschool teacher right now. Oh, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm a full-time cleaner. I'm a full-time chef. I'm a full-time preschool teacher. I have like 18 hats on and I, this is like my sanctuary. This is where I go to just get away. <laughs> so this is like yeah. the fun part of my day. I mean, I love my children. Don't get me wrong, but f- like four and 19 months, it's, it's yeah. Oh, it's banana town over here. Yeah. No, honestly, I have so much respect for you. I mean, for all moms right now that are literally like, you're right. Cleaning, cooking, yep. taking care of the kids, teaching. I mean, like stuff that you're like, this wasn't my life, you know, this, a few months ago. I mean, no. obviously moms are, are around the clock 24 seven, but like you'd be on set. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't necessarily yes. be home every day. Well, she went kids, to preschool. Like, we had a part-time nanny. You know, I had my own life working. That was right. the balance that I had set up for my life. And, you know, I mean, champagne problems. We're all home and we're all safe and we're all okay. Um, but I'm, I'm having to kind of relearn patience. <laughs> and I'm having to kind of relearn, like, I like, Allah knows this. I'm a perfectionist. I like things yes. a certain way. It's yes. why I think I'm good at what I do because I see I see everything, right? And so I've had to really let it go. It's okay. There's water on the floor, on the wood floor. It's okay. There's paint on the brand new wall. It's fine. Like I've had to, that's really hard for me. It's hard for me to look yeah. around and see, um, like, you should see my floor. It's just toys everywhere and I'm stepping on them all day, <laughs> like freaking out. But and you're like, I'm, I'm just going to, accept this right yeah now. I, it just had yeah it's really been a it's been a lesson for me in acceptance for sure well i i i told another parent friend of mine who's sort of going through a similar thing except has a toddler one a one toddler and i and the kid just started walking and i said can you imagine if you were still working you'd miss those first steps and you got the opportunity of seeing them in person yes. rather than your nanny you know right. those things are the positive things christine this is covid Allah speaking to you <laughs> Yeah. It's a little, a little annoying to me. Yeah. yeah. What kind of horses do you have, AJ? You know what? So that's my mom's rescue. Um, oh. That is, he's a thoroughbred. Um, he's stunning. She rescued him last year. His name's Theo. And he's kind of been a little oasis. So, like, I don't get to see my mom because isolation, it just is not possible right now. But what right. I did is I, I went over to San Inez where she lives and I hung out with her horse. I just didn't get to see her. But like we waved from afar. I was like, I love you, mom. And she was like, pet the horse, pet the dogs. Aww. And I got to hang out with Theo for a bit. And it was lovely and relaxing. And it like, it really, it was lovely for me to just take oh. a drive and like hang yeah. out with her horse and be on the property and then leave. Like, again, like champagne problems. Like how incredible is that? Like, and I'm yeah. very aware how black. But, um, and my mom lives like in a very humble community. Like she's not like, She's not, she ain't like the rich Sandy and as you know what I'm right. talking about, but it doesn't matter. Like she's so blessed where she lives and she happens to have this beautiful rescue. And so 
I hung out with him for a bit and it was wonderful. And then I drove back mm. to my little isolation quarters. So yeah, I've kind that's of been awesome. Been, no, I'm main, mainly at Malibu is where I'm isolated with my boyfriend, but, um, you know, yeah, that's that where really I got nice. married. Really? Yeah. Sandy Inez. Oh, here we go. Ella hated it. <laughs> Wait, you're kidding me. Listen to me. Here's the issue. Okay. See, this, is this is pre-COVID. This is pre-COVID allowed. Okay? This is pre-COVID. Got it. It's not a destination wedding, but it's too far to drive home because you're going to be drinking, right? Or no, drive home, period, right? So you have to get a hotel room, but it's not a de- like it's nowhere I really want to go. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm like, what the hell is this? Like you might as well just get married. You know, you can't Uber back, so I have to stay there. You know what I mean? And all there was was like this little Dutch town with like. Um, I was yeah, like, what is thing. this? Yeah. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. That's it was great. Like, oh. oh, I love I was it. Like, there. Enough. I, I mean, honestly, like I'm such a fan, like anything up North, like Santa Barbara, San Inez, Los Olivos, Los Alamos, Buellton, then I'll skip Buellton. Solvang's awesome. Like I love all those spots. So if I was invited to a wedding out there, I'd be like, Oh, I know exactly where to stay. So next oh. time you have a wedding up there, I will help you. Okay. Ugh. Very good. Ugh. I love it. Yeah, and I, I plus I had I had Nicole Tom on my back the whole time <laughs> and seated at my table. <laughs> which causes you to drink more. <laughs> Wait, I know this name. Who's Nicole Tom? She's an actress, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh you familiar with the nanny? She was the oldest daughter yes. on the nanny. Yeah, the my blonde. Best friend was the little girl on the nanny. Yeah, Madeline oh, Zima. Uh, yeah, Madeline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she oh, played she, her sister. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, Madeline and I yeah, we've texted we, a couple I, of times during this. I think we have another friend in common, all three of us, Joel Mikeley. Yes. Yes. Okay. I did Can't Hardly Wait with Joel, and I recently just worked with him on a movie, an independent in Texas. Oh, I love him. I do. I yeah, he's hilarious. Too. He knows yeah. everyone. He Joel Mikeley is like everyone. the connector. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so, okay. I want to ask you a couple like silly COVID questions, isolation questions, and then we'll get on to our, our worst ever moments uh, and career and stuff. But, uh, what's the, what's the weirdest thing maybe, or the most surprising thing you've done in isolation? Um, either you've figured out about yourself or you, or you and your boyfriend, like something just like totally bizarre. You're like, okay, well now we're doing this. Has has anything like that happened? Um uh you know it's it's funny because this is not even something that's weird it's just something that's wonderful that everyone should have if you can um is a garden and we hadn't ever started a garden and he has this little plot out out front and he was like look the last owner like kind of left it like it was definitely like still intact but like it wasn't currently there was no you know growth so he was like let's like reinvigorate this beautiful garden like we should be growing our own food like so we bought all these heritage seeds and we ended up growing, like, we've got butter lettuce started. We have um, avocados, tomatoes, um, radish. So we have a little garden. Which oh, it's, that's it's wonderful. Not even weird. It's not even that weird or shocking or like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. But well, I, I didn't have a garden. I don't have a garden where I live. So now I do. It's, it's ironic because I was just telling Christine right before you came on that I just went to Lowe's to get all my herbs and everything because I'm going to start a garden. That's exactly what I'm doing. And I don't yeah. do any of that stuff. I started taking all of the succulents around our house and because we have a bunch of rogue aloe in the side and um, Uh I have a bunch of pots and I just started repotting all of it. I'm just making different little succulents and aloe plants and pots and I don't ever do anything like that. Like I have a brown thumb. So um, it (laughs) it is very, it is very, there's something like um, very calming about it. Even if you're working with thorny aloe. (laughs) Even thorny aloe, which by the way is beautiful. It is. It's really pretty. Uh, Yeah. And and I'm also just doing things that, you know, when you're working on a show, like, you know, Christine, like our hours are crazy and we don't, there's no time for cooking really. There's no time. I mean, I, I, I don't really get to do the things I'm doing right now. So like we've started, you know, sourdough bread, we had a, we have a starter kit going and we're, you know, feeding it every day. And like, that's been exciting, exciting and like juicing and making homemade cookies and like things that I just would never do at home when I'm working. That's awesome. It's been, yeah. Yeah. It is really nice. Uh, and I mean, you keep such a crazy schedule because in between all the stuff for schooled, which you're there like 
at least four or five days a week working long hours. And then in between on days off, you're usually jetting around with your sister. You guys had an album come out last year um, and a bunch of new singles this year. Uh, and you've been like doing tons and tons of tour dates. How did you maintain? That was like the craziest schedule. And literally, I mean, I'll just brag for you for a minute. You would show up and be so prepared, so ready, so on it. There's no complaining of like, I just got off a plane. Oh, I'm exhausted. Oh, I haven't looked at these lines. Like <laughs> you are the hardest working woman and you are like by far just so professional. So I mean, what's what's your secret? How do you do it? That's so sweet. I mean, well, I think it's like, you know, I, I'm I'm so lucky to to be able to to do both and, and actually like successfully be a part of both careers right now, like in, in terms of music and acting, like they're both two totally different beasts. And for them to both be working right now, I don't have anything to complain about. It's like, I chose this, you know what I mean? No one's forcing me to do both, um, but I love doing both. I mean, for me, it's like, I don't want to pick between the two. I love yeah. doing music with my sons. And for me, it's kind of, it's, you know, when I'm shooting the show, that's a little bit of a reprieve from being on tour and then vice versa. So. You know, I try not to, like, I, we don't book a tour while I'm shooting. It's just impossible. I mean, we did, we kind of, there was a, a mix-up on, on hiatus weeks changed and things shifted. And we had booked, a, like, a winter tour. It was, like, a two-week December tour last year. And I was doing it while shooting. And it was hard, you know, but production was amazing. They were like, look, we'll, you know, we'll put you in Monday and Friday. You can play a show Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And they let me do that for two weeks. And it was it was tough, you know, and that, yeah. but again, it's like, I can't complain. That's my own. I chose that. So it's yeah. like, no one else, no one's forcing me. I, my secret, I don't, I don't really have one. I just, I honestly sleep. I get, I get a lot of sleep. Sleep is really important to me. It's what yeah. keeps my vocals healthy. It's what keeps me healthy. Um, and it's, it's really important that that's a part of my life, eight to nine hours if I can. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky that when I'm not shooting the show, I can be touring, you know, and, and when I'm not touring, I'm shooting. And then we might be making a record on a hiatus, which is what we're doing now. So like, you know, it's been tricky because COVID has other plans for us, but we're continuing to like write a record as, you know, on Zoom with our producer. And then we're going to hope to get in the studio like end of May after isolation lifts, hopefully. Um, oh, good. Yeah, yeah that what's is. A, yeah. What's, that's interesting. What's the writing process for you guys on, on um, a normal well, without the COVID? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for us, it, you know, when I'm working on the show, I, I try to get into the studio when I rap, if we rap early, but a lot of times it's like weekends or hiatus weeks. So I'll just hop into our producer studio with my sister and we'll start working on a song. Usually, you know, usually it's from completely from the ground up. One of us will come in with like a lyric idea or a melodic idea, or it'll be a subject matter that we feel moved to write about, you know, whether it's something a friend is going through or, or just how we picture the world currently and something that we want to touch on. And we'll just say, all right, guys, like, let's allot the next six hours, seven hours to like dedicating our time to this song. What can we do to, to you know, to create it? Um, and a lot of times it'll be, you know, my sister either on keys or me on guitar. Um, we'll start with like an interesting beat or drum loop. Um, some sort of synth line. And then from there, it'll be like, you know, a lyric that my sister maybe had like saved in her phone or like a, a title idea. And then I'll usually come up with like a melody that starts us, you know, there's no rules. Like it's not a writing session is different every time we go in. Um, but I will say, usually we leave the room having created something, whether it's a verse and a chorus or sometimes a whole song in a day, or sometimes just a few lines. Um, but Amazing. Allie and I have been writing together for a really long time. So we have like a, we have a flow and a vibe and we have a couple collaborators we work with consistently over the last couple of years. So writing this record has been, has been awesome. The biggest challenge has been writing over zoom, but a lot of it's been lyric based and just making sure that like, we feel like the lyrics are up to par with, you know, what we want to say. Cause a lot of it's just been like, all right, we can beat this. Right. So right. it's been a lot of editing right now on, on zoom. Um, I was so into Attack of Panic when that came out, uh, and your video for it is just amazing. Um, I know you've talked about this in interviews and stuff, but you guys went to Berlin and shot it in a day and a half? Two days? Yeah, two days. Amazing. And you just kind of ran around. It, it was just you guys and your director, which is... Um, um, My brother-in-law. Yeah, your brother-in-law. And so, oh, it, and that was it. You didn't have a stylist. You didn't have a makeup. You guys just did your own thing, came up with the choreography, yeah. did it all yourself. 
we had, so we had um, a choreographer who, who's a good friend, this girl, Erin Murray, who's super talented. She ended up teaching us the, the choreo before we left. And then our stylist, Chris, ended up sending us with clothes. So we, we, did, we definitely, like, we were dressed. But Allie and I did our own hair and makeup, and Steven shot it. It was just us three running around Berlin. I think we shot it in, like, I think we were there for four days total. We maybe shot for three. Um, and that was during a hiatus week. And then we came back, and I went back to set. But... You know, it was one of those things. It's like you want to you want a visual centered around a song, and right now it is single by single, and it's a little boring if you release something without a visual. I think. I mean, we've yeah. done it in the past. Sometimes financially, it's the only way you can do it. But we were able to, you know, come up with like a very very slim, um, streamlined budget that kind of at least created a visual around the song that I think is really important, and I think it needed it. Um, so it was, yeah, it was one of those things we were like, all right, we're going to Berlin. We don't want to shoot this here. Like we want to shoot this there and we're going to try to get into as many clubs as we can, which was a little bit of a fail. And the video took a direction. Which was fine. Um, would they just not let you in with a, was it the camera issue? They won't let you in with a camera. Yeah. 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 And we knew, we knew we were going to come up against that. Like we were like, we don't have a permit. They're not just going to let us shoot in here. Also the, the clubs are so hot and sweaty there that getting a film camera in there and letting the lens adjust yeah. to the steam and the fog of what is going to be created in that atmosphere, you'd have to sit in there for an hour just to get, just to get your camera, like, you know, adapted to the, to the, to the elements. Um, right. Everyone's like muddy and dancing and it's hot. And so that, yeah, the club scene didn't really become like the centerpiece of the video, but that's fine. It turned out to be really cool. It's really good. It's a great video. Well, you were you were speaking earlier about touring and stuff, and now with the, all this happening, obviously that's probably going to change. I mean, we don't know when venues will open up again for for mass from you know the masses masses and like my brother's in the music business as well, and so like I know his money relies mostly on tours and the music industry. What what have you heard anything? Do you, what do you predict for the future in music? I mean, how do you think this is all going to work itself out for artists like that? I don't know. It's, it's really tough. I think a lot of people are going to put on virtual tours, um, which is, is tricky. It's just not the same. You don't have the fans in front of you, the audience, you know, being, right. being a live touring musician is like, it's, it's kind of one of those things that's like, it just feels, it feels so good to be on stage. That's what we do. Like we thrive off that. It's like being a Broadway artist with no audience. It's like, how do you get on stage and perform Shakespeare in front of no one? You know what I mean? How do you go on right. the stage and perform like, a 15 song set in front of no one it's going to be really tricky um i don't know i i you know i don't know what the rest of this year looks like i can't imagine tours are going to be back up and running till next year i don't think there's going to be any tours this year um i mean we got really lucky we didn't have a tour planned for this year um which was the first time in three years where we didn't tour during my hiatus because we decided this was the year we were going to make a full record we've only put out eps in the last two years so we decided right. this year we're going to a full 12 13 song record and so that's going to keep us from touring this year and then of course we realized you know no one's going to be touring so we got very lucky that we didn't have to cancel a tour but we did have to cancel some one-offs that you know those one-offs are how we fund our band like playing right. a college show in austin or a college show in portland you know we had some really great festival dates lined up that that had to get you know postponed and people are saying they're going to probably move to 2021 i don't have any official word or knowledge on that but i don't think live shows are going to be a thing for a while and and when they do come up again i don't think they're going to be the same as they were you know i don't know how yeah. people are going to be situated in terms of seating and and but I, I don't know how you i don't even know how you restructure live shows i don't know yeah well, I, saw, really I, I, I saw i saw it's not it has anything to do with live shows but i see i saw what they're trying to build for planes and they're taking the seating and they're doing one, one, and then the middle person is facing backwards. So it's, it's crazy how they're, it's just, I just saw a configuration on the news today. So I was like, okay, now restaurants are going to reconfigure and then probably venues and stadiums. I mean, this is going to be a huge change. I guess at least, yeah, for a while, right? To try to make people feel comfortable or if you have to take a flight, you know, um, make people feel okay about getting on an airplane again. Um, we were laughing yesterday because Allah had heard from a friend of his who works at one of the major agencies that they're talking about all the different things that are going to have to happen for, you know, the entertainment industry to open up again and for people to feel comfortable to go back to work. Um, 
I know a lot of writing rooms are still open, but it's like hard to say, you know, when seasons would be happening or not. But one of the things he said was that um, actors are going to have to live at the studios. They're going to be... <laughs> they're going to be well, building... Not, okay, wait. Let me just... Like, just Yeah. Uh, indulge me for a second. They're going to be building, like, housing, I guess, like, dorms or something for all the actors and crew. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's what he said right now. And I think there was an article in Dateline about it as well. But there was, they're saying the crews will be cut to, to much smaller than a normal crew for a television show. Each crew member must have their own uh, tools. They can't be sharing tools. Um, each actor will have their own hair person and makeup person. They won't be sharing hair and makeup. ADs can only enter your trailer with glove and mask, but they're not supposed at right now, not even entered. Each actor will have their own trailer. There's no sharing. You can't one day have somebody else's trailer. Everyone is specifically getting their own trailer. And then um, unless they get a rapid test, it's more than likely that cast and crew during the season while they film it will be living at the lot. So I just want to know, <laughs> you get first dibs, who's your roommate? <laughs> Wait, if, if there is roommates. <laughs> oh my gosh. You have to pick between oh. Brian Callen um, <laughs> and Brett Dyer. Go. No. <laughs> uh. um, oh goodness. Brett. I mean, no, I said, I'm so lucky because I love our cast, but they're all yeah. insane comedians. Like everyone's energy is at a 14 all the can, time. Can you imagine if you were like quarantined with them in like some kind of, it would be like Animal House. It would be insane. Can it you would imagine be, with Brian Tom? No. I mean, I love you, Brian, but no. <laughs> oh, love him, but no. Honestly, this sounds nuts, but it, but it does make sense because they don't want people leaving and coming back. Who knows where they've right. been? Did right. someone go to a bar and go to a restaurant or ran errands? Right. And like you, know, you and guys, like, the cast is the most important. You can't, you can't be replaced. Anyone else could fall ill and they would just cart us away. But like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's like, it's one of those things where I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really <laughs> going to be, it's really weird. I mean, we're, we're definitely going to go back to like, a new system for sure. And I'm prepared yeah. for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're lucky oh, yeah. we're going to be able to go back to work because we're in the entertainment industry. And I don't think that's going to, I don't think that can just disappear. It's not going no. to, no. I mean, it won't. But, They'll, I mean, they will figure something out and uh, hopefully they can get some kind of, you know, antibody test going and that will mean something to people. Did um, you guys finish your season of school? We had one episode left. Yeah, they both, both Schooled and the Goldbergs. Oh, and Goldbergs. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. five days. But, you know, I understand. Like, the, we couldn't, we couldn't have stayed. No way. No. no Too many no, people. Yeah. It just it made sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, we, we got, we, they pulled the plug. I'm going to back I up. Hope, you know, I don't know if pickups, I mean, I know we're not going to be able to go to New York for upfronts, that's for sure. Right. But I, I, I don't know if the pickups are going to be in the same are we going to hear in May? I don't even, I don't even know. I mean, I, I, I think we, I season three, but. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think so. I would imagine we'll hear in May because again, they've got to start rooms. If there's any thought of even trying to go back in July, August, even September, they're going to have to start a writer's room somehow. Um, well, the other, the other issue yeah. that he said that it, that's happening is that, uh, we're, as productions were going to Atlanta and New Mexico and Toronto, it's not going to be, there's not going to be a lot of that. So there's not a lot of room to shoot here anymore because that's one of the reasons why, besides budget wise, it's one of the reasons why there's not a lot of sound stages that are available to shoot. Uh, right. So a lot of new shows are going to have a problem. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to back up a little bit and go back to the beginning for you. Ooh, um, I love a beginning. I love a good beginning. Uh, so you're from Torrance, California, which that's mm -hmm. where you grew up, which is just south of here. Um, good old LAX, known for Torrance. Um, <laughs> my, and, my, first, my first Chick-fil-A in LA was in Torrance. Really? It's the only place you can get those waffle fries. Yeah, like about 20 years ago, because I grew up in the Southeast, and I was obsessed with Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. I grew up on Chick-fil-A. I would like, I worked in the mall, and I wouldn't work on Sundays because the Chick-fil-A was closed. So, um, 
I found when I moved here, I was like, during the Thomas Guide days, you know, I was like, where the hell is a Chick-fil-A? And they had no Chick-fil-A's, but there was one in Torrance at that Delamo Mall. Yes, Delamo yeah. Mall. So my dad's yeah. a contractor, commercial contractor, and he's done a lot of work in the Delamo Mall. Yeah, um, so. I, so we were not we were not raised there. We were born there. We we were born at Little Company Mary in Torrance, California. I lived there probably till I was two years old, and then we moved actually to Seattle. And we lived in Seattle for about seven years to be with my mom's side of the family. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, and then my dad. So my dad, he has a business. He's had a business for like thirty five years in Torrance. He was commuting for seven years on a plane, Seattle to L.A. every week. Oh and wow. At, you know, eventually it's like, that's just not a sustainable life. You know, our, we, we, I mean, we saw our dad quite a bit, thank God, even with that kind of commute, but it was really rough on him. And, and my mom ended up, unfortunately had a really bad year and lost both of her parents back to back. And it was kind of one of those things where she was like, we don't need to be here for grandparents anymore. And we don't need dad commuting anymore. So let's head back to LA. So then it brought Allie and I back to LA and back into the arms of the entertainment industry. Oh, that's but great. We'll, we'll get there. But yeah, yeah, so Seattle and then back to us. And I mean, you and your sister were always singing. I know your mom is also a musician and sings. Um, so it probably was just a natural progression that you guys were going to continue with music. But like, what was, what was sort of the first break or the first inkling that you guys wanted to do this in another capacity? Um, I think it, I think the first like, like, ex, like jolt of excitement came from Seattle. I, I remember the, the, like the start of it all. I remember it being actually really clear. There was a, um, a flyer on my mom's desk. She would keep like a pile of junk, like just junk mail, like up in her, up at her desk that she would go through on the weekends. And there was a flyer on there for this, um, acting workshop, Northwest studios in Seattle. Um, it was basically like a, you know, not like a John Robert Powers, but you basically could go there, learn from a teacher, you know, there'd be a showcase, agents would come and scout at the end. It was like a three month course. Anyway, my sister saw it and like freaked. And at this point, like we were, we were definitely entertaining, but at a, you know, really super normal level. Like we were putting on plays at church. We were singing, you know, our mom was leading worship at church. So we, I would go up and do duets with her at like seven years old. And my sister would come up at nine and we would do a trio thing. And, and we would also put on shows at our school. Um, and so, and everyone in the neighborhood knew like Allie and AJ put on shows. Like we would sell like fake tickets that like we had cut out of cardboard and like we put on there like live at the Orpheum. Like, I mean, it was ridiculous. And so like neighborhood kids would come and we would put on like shows and it was, it was silly, but like. Those tickets are probably worth a lot of money on eBay right now. Those cardboard tickets. <laughs> I'm just saying. We have, to find, we have to find some of those. My sister is such a great artist. She would create all of our like fake merch and she'd create these tickets and she was really good at it. Um, anyway, so we, we ended up like totally freaking out our mom. Like we were like, mom, Northwest studios, this sounds legit. Like we gotta go, like, we gotta just get in there and like figure out if this is something that we're supposed to do. And my mom was like, no, like, this is not what you're supposed to do. Like you guys are normal kids. Like you're not gonna all of a sudden, like enter this bizarre acting workshop. And like, next thing we know, we're moving to Hollywood. Like my mom just thought it was a little ridiculous. And her mom also like kind of pushed her, not pushed her, but wanted an industry kid, I think at a young age. And my mom was not into it. Um, my grandma was really into pageants and things like that. And no judgment towards her as a wonderful lady, but like my mom was like, just would not have it. My mom was like, this is not for me. And so I think when she saw that her kids had an excitement for it, it freaked her out. So finally, we, we convinced her, like, just let us try this. And so she let us enroll, and we ended up doing, like, a two-month course maybe there. Um, a bunch of agents came out. It actually happened to be legitimate. Bonnie Likey scouted. Judy Savage scouted. Yeah. They that was my agent. Really? Yeah, Savage. Yeah. Oh, Judy was our first agent because of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it was legitimate. It was real, but we did not like, we weren't planning on moving to LA until my dad was like, I'm not, I don't want to do this commute anymore. I think we should uproot the family and go back to Los Angeles. So once we went back to LA, it was like, it was a no brainer that Allie and I, being that we already had interest when we were in Seattle from Bonnie and Judy, we were like, we should meet with them. So we convinced our mom to meet with them and we met with Judy and she signed us and she was our first agent. And, um, I, I guess the rest is history. And then my mom, my mom was, was dear friends with this woman who happened to know Gary Marshall really well. And we met Gary Marshall. He became a friend. My sister was in one of his plays at the Falcon theater. I mean, you probably remember all of this. Oh yeah. Um, 
And then with Ben Platt, funny enough, they were both in this play as kids. Um, and then uh, Gary Marshall introduced us to our first manager, Linda Goodfriend, who was our manager for 10 years. Um, and that was how it started. I mean, it was amazing that we happened to get our start with really legitimate people who knew what they were doing. Um, and we never had, you know, a, a quote unquote negative experience. We were always with people that treated us really well. And then of course you, you grow apart at some point. So we weren't with you, you know, we're no longer with you. Right. But it's amazing that you can have that kind of start. And, and it happened from literally a place in Seattle called Northwest Studios. I mean, it's insane. Wow. It's, a, it's an amazing story. I mean, you know, so many people have these like years and years of struggle and wanting to do something. And then sometimes like even for me, I, I always, it was the same thing. I saw acting class. What's that? Got to get in there. Got to do it. Just wanted, I was putting on the plays on the fireplace, by the fireplace. And, you know, it's the same yes, thing. I and making my, that. you know, we had a video camera because my dad was like super into tech. So we always had a bunch of gadgets around. So even in third grade, I'm like recording my own book reports and making movies. And yeah, I was like, I had a little bit of Adam Goldberg in me. <laughs> I was constantly making like movies with yes. my neighborhood friends and casting them and doing crazy stuff like that. Okay, now we're back. Allah's now taking his temperature. We're not really sure why. What is I check it, it anyways, 98.3. <laughs> Listen, I got I go out and I go to the grocery store and I you know, I gotta check the temperature. Right. I clean the I wash the hands, I wear the mask, I got the gloves, you I got ordered a wig. two hazmat suits. I got two I got a All corona right. wig. I got two hazmat suits on its way from Amazon, disposable. In case I have to travel for emergency, I'll wear the hazmat suit through the plane, through the airport. As soon as I get out of the airport, throw it off, and then have one for the return flight. I'm not joking around, people. That's very smart. I am ready for a pandemic. This is what I'm trying to tell you, Christine. I got you. I got you. Okay. Not to derail things, but I'm reading I'm reading a really freaky book right now. It came out a few years ago. It was huge. And for some reason, I, I skipped it. It's Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, um, unreal. And it's all about, you know, pandemic. There's this thing called the Georgia flu that takes over the world. And everyone is is either completely annihilated by it or they're having or there are some survivors that are having to like travel, you know, by by horse and buggy. Like it's like you literally just everyone's back in time. And it's really an incredible book, but it's freaking me out. Like it's the worst yeah. book to be reading right now, even though in some ways I'm like kind of nice to be reading in this moment because it's like I'm just connecting with what's going on, even if it's dark and sad. Like I might as well just read a book that kind of right. our world right now. But this book is gnarly. And and I'm it just might. saying like the house suit that preparation is really smart. See Christine? I I, I, I'm just, it's, I, yes, all right, well, you're doing it all okay. right. Well, God forbid, like I have ill family members and that, you know, if I have to fly to God forbid, for some reason, I gotta, you know, I don't want to be sick. I get you. I get you. Shoot. We, we have a earthquake kit. So I, we pulled out, we have two N95 masks from the earthquake kits if we yeah. needed them for any reason. But Brandon, we used one and then he's like, we should donate the other one to the hospital. We haven't used it. I was like, I don't think they're going to, Take no, it though, take sadly. It. <laughs> they might. I donate. I donated two. Yeah. Um, okay. So, but it has to be packaged, right? Yeah. It's mine was in the package. I when I, we I was with uh, my friend, my my producing partner, and we were shooting an independent film in Portland when this all came out. And I called every resource. I this is like before people were going crazy. I was like, I need N95 masks. So I called my friend who works, at, who manages a Sherman Williams uh, paint store. And he sent me like a case of that. Like, no, I was like, and my friend was like, what are you doing? I go, trust me. I have a strange feeling. We need these masks. And sure enough. And anyway, I ended up donating the rest of them, but I kept um, one for me. Yeah. Yeah. Craziness. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. So you guys, when, when you moved back to LA, uh, you were how old? Uh, 10 and 12. 10 and 12. And when, what was like the first, were there, were you doing commercials? Were you just kind of going out for everything that you were right for, that kind of thing? Were you guys already doing? 
kind of going off for everything. And yeah. as, as like easy as the Judy Savage story feels, like we did not book right away. Like my sister was in a little bit of an awkward stage. She had braces. The first thing she actually booked, she got very lucky because she booked like a regular on a show. She booked this show, Fill the Future on Disney Channel for two years. It was really a big show. Kind of came off the heels of like even Stevens and Lizzie McGuire. Right. And then me, I was, I think I booked one commercial at the start. It took a long time. I booked this like, small part in a Montgomery Ward commercial and then the company went under and the commercial Oh my god, I loved Montgomery Ward. Really? I forgot about them. Oh my god, yes. I didn't I didn't even get to experience what Montgomery Ward was. Oh, it's like it's like it's like a somewhere in between a Kmart and a Target. Oh, and a Sears. Great. And a Sears. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'd like to say that I, you know, was part of them going under. No, I'm joking. But the commercial never aired. The commercial never aired, and they and they went down the tube. Um, and then I remember, I don't know when did I book. I guess I was um, twelve, maybe when I like booked my first show. Um, I booked a recurring role on The Guardian on CBS. Um, I was on there for two years. I played Dabney Coleman's um, foster daughter. And Simon Baker's foster sister. So immediately was thrown into like, you know, a, a, a world of like incredible actors. Farrah Fawcett was mm-hmm. on the show. She played my grandmother. Like it was a group of eccentric characters for sure. And these people were like my mentors for two years. Like it was all wow. these really kind of rough and tumble, great actors who were really tough on young kids. But that was what kind of shaped me. Like I, Dabney Coleman was like my first acting teacher in a way. And it was, and we're still really good friends to this day. He's 89 years old. He's one of my best friends. Um, But yeah, it's cool. And then I went on, I booked this, I mean, gosh, now that I'm listing things, I'm like, we really did work quickly. Like it's, it's amazing. I mean, I remember it taking time if I look back and stuff was not overnight, but I'm kind of thinking going, we were in like this perfect age spot we happen to get, you know, you get one thing and one other thing comes and then another thing comes. I mean, you know how it works. It's mm-hmm. like your resume starts building that 10, 11, 12. That's like a sweet spot. And then I booked this comedy, this recurring comedy um, or recurring role in this comedy on Fox called Oliver Bean, which I was on for, for two years. Um, but never booked, a, never booked a series regular. Like I would test, I would test, I would test. Mm-hmm. Wasn't right. Not the right age, not the right look, doesn't fit the family, whatever it is. The Goldbergs was my first series regular gig. And that was because of Adam. I was like, you know, asked just as a friend to come on as a guest spot to play this friend of, of Erica Goldberg, Lainey Lewis. And I was like, yeah, I'll come on for a couple episodes. And then it became a recurring. And then, you know, he had me become a regular on the show. And then, then I got demoted back to recurring. And then now I have the spinoff. I mean, it's crazy. But that was my first wow. job as a regular. And I've been doing this for like 15 years. He's so good at that. He really, I mean, obviously so much of it is based on his life. So he's very specific about what, who these characters should be and the essence they need to have and the look and all of that. But um, I mean, like, I think everyone is just, is so well cast on that show for all the parts that, that they have. And yeah, he's just like very specific and like just really, really good at that. Um, Talk to me a little bit about cowbells. (laughs) <laughs> cowbells okay um how did that come so about Adam, that's a movie you did with your sister yes it was our first movie together for the disney channel um kind of hot off the heels of like phil the future i think phil the future was just winding down they were just ending um my sister and i had already been signed to a record deal at hollywood records which is a disney owned right. label um they they kind of um kickstarted our music career because they saw that Allie was musical on Phil the Future and they had asked her to provide, they found out she was a songwriter because her and me, her and I had started writing songs by that point on our acoustic guitars and they asked if they could use a song for the show. And so they used one of our first original songs on an episode of Phil the Future, this song called Protecting Me, um, which ended up on our first record. And so we got the excitement of the label. They signed us. Then Disney Channel decided, oh, this makes sense. We should do a movie about the sisters. Dairy Girls, originally called Dairy Girls. Matt Dearborn was um, a dear friend for years, producer and writer on Phil of the Future, decided to kind of spearhead this script. Um, based around two sisters, simple life like, kind of like a, a nod to Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton at the time that had just blown up. So two girls that, you know, lived with a really wealthy dad, um, had no aspirations to work hard. It was just all about like, you know, 
what, what great dress can we buy next? Um, and the dad owned a dairy farm. And it was all about, you know, the story really takes place. It, the drama really ensues when the, our uncle, our rich uncle, ends up trying to sell the company underneath our dad. And a bunch of people are going to lose their jobs if we don't save the farm. So my sister and I realized, like, our uncle's a criminal. We have to save the farm. We end up working at the farm, and we save the day. Um, to be honest, that's all I remember. I'm not even sure if I explained that right. I haven't seen the movie in 10 years. Um, but it was really a cute experience because Allie and I, Allie had just gotten her license. She learned to, like, drive stick during that shoot. Um, I think we were, like, 16 and 18 years old. We had never done a movie together. Um, it ended up blowing up on the channel. It was like one of the biggest Disney Channel original movies they had ever aired, which is nuts. And I think it's back now on, you know, Disney Plus. Um, we've played with the idea of maybe doing a sequel 15 years later. I think it could be kind of interesting and fun. I don't know. but Oh, that'd be great. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, but it was a big part. It was a big part of our career because it was on the network constantly. And it, yeah. all it did was it helped feed our music career because we had a record out and we were touring. And, you know, at that time it was like everything, Hannah Montana, Jonas Brothers, that was kind of that era. So um, that movie was a big, a big part of our career. And people still really care about that film. It's, it's very sweet. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, can't imagine we've but, had um, fans writing in that we, you know, cause we say like, who would you like us to interview? And you have come up several times. Um, but I've been waiting for the right time to ask you, and I guess this was it. Uh, but uh, but and there were a couple of fans in particular that mentioned the movie, and I know it's like it's such a big deal in the zeitgeist of a lot of people's minds growing up. So um, it was it's great to know it was a great experience, and yeah, I mean that Disney machine, it really it really can be such a huge launching pad. Yeah, for, and Christine and I. And Chris, Christine and I have such a big affiliation through friends and work with Disney. Like I was recurring on Hannah and Sweet Life, and um, my my friends uh, that uh, I grew up with and moved out to LA with were all Mouseketeers. So we get a lot of the Mouse Club people on on here as well. And then they were also on Hollywood Records. So how was that experience for you? Because they were one of the first bands on Hollywood Records when Hollywood Records first uh, started. Get out. What was the band? The Party. The Party. That they was were, like the beginning they, of Hollywood. They were like the first band the, they signed? The first band that was signed, yeah. They were, wow. they, yeah, they ended up going on, they ended up uh, leaving Mouse Club and the, from the Mickey Mouse Club, they created the five older people from Mouse Club and created the band The Party. And so, That's and awesome. it was Hollywood Records. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a great experience. I mean, we were signed at a really young age. You know, now getting signed to a major label is, is A, really tough, but also B, not necessarily the, the thing that you want as an artist. I mean, if you want to own your masters and you want to own control of your music, it's probably smarter to, to stay with an indie label. I mean, we're with a label now that um, lets us own our masters 100%, which I think is like a game changer. A lot of times you can't yeah. work out those deals with a major label. But it was a really positive experience for Allie and I. I mean, we... We became really close to the head of um, head of music over there, Bob Cavallo. Um, he was like someone that really spearheaded our music and really believed in us as a band from the get-go. And I think we ended up going in there playing just like five songs on acoustic guitar, like crisscross applesauce, like just some songs we had written literally on our, on our guitars and they signed us that week. I mean, it was crazy. It was like a little bit of a war between them and Warner Brothers at the time. And Bob Cavallo's son was running Warner Brothers. So it was Rob and Bob and kind of against oh, the two. How funny. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was weird. But Hollywood was, seemed like the place for us. And I think it was the right choice. And we ended up making three records over there. And then eventually, I, I do think we truly like grew out of the label. And, you know, we had to make a decision to, to depart. And so we asked them um, to, to let us go. Um, so we ended up not fulfilling all of our commitments over there. So it was a little bit of a tricky exit, but... Um, no bad blood between them and us, which is great. And we were able to, to, you know, exit gracefully and then make records independently since. So it was really the only time we've been with a major, but I think we needed that for that initial launch. We were so young. We were like 14 and 16 when we got signed with them. Um, and they were really the start of it all. I mean, that foundation is carried with us, you know, up until now, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I said to you earlier when we were just chatting about what we would, you know, talk about on the pod that, in this business, especially when you start young, as you guys did, as you did, um, you know, 
reinvention is really the key to longevity in this business. And continuing to sort of reinvent yourself as you get older, I think, is such a big component in transferring gracefully out of that child actor thing into having an adult career. And it's, it's difficult um, because no one tells you how to navigate that. Um, yeah. But you have been able to do it and your music certainly has been able to do it. And I guess I'm curious how intentional that's been or if it's just been sort of a, a, a natural evolution for you guys. Um, I mean, you're right. There's like, no one tells you how to do it. There's no guide lines. There's no book. I mean, it is really tricky. I, I do think a lot of it has been a natural progression for us. I think it's because, I think it's because Allie and I didn't feel like we needed to become something else, you know, in a, in a, in a way that would all of a sudden the fans would go, oh my gosh, who are these girls? Like, just because we're adults now and we've grown, I don't think you need to, I don't think you need to prove that. I think your music just, you end up growing. You start writing different types of music. Your style changes. You become a better singer. You become a better writer. You're auditioning for different projects. You're naturally becoming older. You're not really shunning away the past. You're just kind of saying, well, this is who I've naturally became, become. And I think that, I think it's been a natural progression more than anything. And, and kind of really hard to explain. I mean, I have to say it's been fairly seamless. Like I do think the music has lifted off in a really cool way, but there there was nothing we did specifically for that. I mean, I think it helped that we took like a 10 year break. I mean, that right. wasn't on purpose. We took a really long break. Um, you know, we kind of were like just trying to figure out who we wanted to be as artists. You know, we, 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 we hit the ground running with Hollywood records, put out three records, went on like four tours, like every year was packed with music for a long time from like early yeah. teens to like late teens. And then in our 20s, we were like, whoa, who the hell are we as musicians? What do we want to do? Who do we want to tour with? What kind of music do we want to play? Like, who do, how do we want to be perceived? And that ended up putting a halt to our music for 10 years. And then, you know, I think, I think taking that time was actually really smart. So now that we're that's... back with an independent labels... Yeah, totally it's different. super smart because I, you know, so many, I think so many artists don't feel like they have that luxury. Their label is like, what's next? What's next? Like, got to come out with something, right. you know? Well, and and also, you have that Hol pressure. Also, I was going to say Hollywood Records is sort of notorious for like packaging everything, creating these tours. I mean, it's a, it's like a part of the Disney machine. It, it's, yeah. they, they, you know. So it, I think as and I think the party had the same kind of problem. They did three albums as well, and they were like, "We want out" because they weren't writing their own music. They were like getting produced stuff, and they were like sort of like, you know, it was part of the Disney thing. It was new, and they they wanted to create the way they wanted them to be. And they were like, "We don't want to be like this anymore. We're growing up, and we want to like write our own stuff." And so they left and went on their own. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's smart. Um, I mean, I don't. I think if you stay with a label like that for too long, you end up, you, you don't grow at all. It's like you're working with the well, same people. You don't, there's no, there's no, I think Allie and I, we, we were writing our, like everything from the ground up as young kids. And, and, and they started almost like not, they almost started not buying it anymore. They were like, well, you know, did you guys really write about this? Like, this seems a little deeper than like, and it's like, yeah, we did. Like, we're getting older. Like, this is the stuff we want right. to write about now. Again, it was yeah. like they were suggesting, like, we want you to work with these people we want. And we're like, that doesn't feel like us. And we knew at a really early age what we wanted to do. And I think having that path and that kind of set idea in your mind almost turns the label off more because they're like, we don't know how to, like, puppeteer this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, speaking of writing songs, apparently you, you wrote one song for a specific person, one of the Jonas Brothers. Yeah. Yes. So, so recently, I guess a fan tweeted that potential breakup song was written about Joe, which isn't true, but it got a ton of traction on Twitter. And I, I, I was kind of surprised because I'm like, how is this news right now? Like, who gives a shit? But right. funny enough, the song that was written about him is this song Flattery. And, and Joe and I are friends, like he's cool, but it, it was definitely like an angsty song to write about a breakup, you know, and, and I think giving that information made everyone go like, Oh, AJ spilt the tea. It's flattery. You know, it was a funny moment on Twitter, but yes, that song was written about him. Um, not potential if you're still here, uh, if you can hear us, we can just wrap this up and we'll tell, we'll tell the listeners and everyone where to find you and all that jazz. That was yeah, her, hilarious. We can get the story. Her internet has the COVID. Her internet's got the COVID. And, <laughs> 
uh, it did not. It did not want us to to spill the beans about all of that. I know. You got to get the story. Sure, well, yeah. So she broke. She broke up with him. That's. I think that's where what we got out of that. Um, okay. Well, this was awesome. I've been wanting to have her on for a long time, but she's so busy. Well, with obviously, the show and those and the, all the other stuff. So, um, anyway, but you we guys, get, we, I'm gonna once pause it's all social. over, we'll get, yeah, once it's all over, we got to get her in in person to the home studio. Yes. Um. So you can follow Miss AJ Machalka at I am AJ. I am AJ. And also she is one half of at Allie and AJ. That's A-L-Y and AJ. Uh, she is on Schooled. You can see her right now on the film The Weepa Way for Now. You can rent that on Amazon. That stars she and her sister and was filmed by her brother-in-law, Steven, the same one who did their Attack of Panic music video. And she's cool. just she's just awesome. She's um, lovely. She's She's lovely. Uh, you can hear great. her on She-Ra. Uh, if you're a Steven Universe person, we didn't even get to talk about Steven Universe. Oh, um, Didi Magno. Didi Magno. Yeah, another Steven Universe person. Mm. Anyway, this was a great one. Um, you can find me at Yolakin. You can find me at Alec Ludd. And we are at Worst Ever Podcast and Worst and Ever PC on Twitter. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you for my Starbucks gift card. Nathan, Nathan is our number one fan. Mm -hmm. And if you check out um, Worst Ever Investigations, <laughs> he's always got something really funny cooking. Worst Ever Super Fan is his Twitter, is his Instagram handle, and, and he finds all kinds of footage and hilarious things. So big shout out to him. Um, and yeah, keep on keeping on, friends. We will hear you next time. Thanks for listening. All right, bye. Bye.